ladies, and welcome to another exciting episode on the Ask with Confidence podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today, and I hope you leave this episode feeling empowered to take on your most difficult conversations. I'm your host, Katherine Kanapke. I'm a nurse, mediator, and the communications and operations manager at the American Negotiation Institute, and I am passionate about helping women like you get the most out of your conversations and get ahead in life. Before we start, is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If so, check out our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we would love to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Monique, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? So uh, my company is called Articulate Persuasion. uh, I'm lucky enough to say I've been in business almost nine years. And I work with rapidly growing companies to really help them scale the individuals and the teams within their organization around the challenges that come from communication, miscommunication. And that can spread the gamut from team dynamics to articulating a vision to uh, engaging more effectively with the board of directors. So it really is something that happens with all sizes of organizations and all verticals. But my happy place in terms of the work that I love is really companies that are going through rapid growth because I find that between the access to capital and the technology that allows us to scale companies, uh, it's all very exciting, but it also creates a lot of turbulence internally. And so how can we scale along with our businesses and avoid the turbulence or at least manage it if we have to get through it? That is fantastic. Well, we are so excited to have you on the show today. And we have a really interesting topic for everyone today. We're going to talk about how to win in a conflict. And the key things that we defined in our conversation earlier was redefining conflict, figuring out where we're misaligned, and then how do we change how we show up. So why don't we start with the first one, redefining conflict. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? Yes. Well, a lot of the work that I do, I really like to look at words because we don't, we sort of take them for granted, but words, the meaning of words is, has an effect on us beyond the definition. Oftentimes we have a, a feeling, there's a, an energy that comes with us. There's a, a sense of what that might mean that's beyond what, how it's defined. And conflict is really one of those words. It's people just use it and all of a sudden there's a stress that comes. When we are in conflict, it's not just that we're not getting along, it just sounds ugly, it sounds messy. Depending on the personality type, there can be yelling, right? Nothing that we want to engage with. So I really like to go back with my clients and redefine conflict. First, I actually like to really look at how it is actually defined. And then I like to reimagine it in an individual's mind. So first of all, the dictionary really says conflict is when your concerns or desires different from another person. Now, that doesn't sound so bad. I don't know. Conflict sounds so much worse, right? Than just when your concerns or desires differ. So the metaphor that I like to use, where I think it's easier for people to think about, is that we often think of conflict as if it was two cars heading straight for a head-on collision, running a million miles an hour, and it's just not going to be good. You can't avoid it. And really, that's, that's not what conflict is. At the end of the day, I like to think of conflict as more of a misalignment. So two cars in different lanes who are just passing each other. They just keep missing one another. And so what happens is that 
we think we are in conflict, but really it's a matter of misalignment. And that misalignment can, can fall into a few different categories. So first of all, a common one is just a misalignment of goals. If, if you and I, if the goal that either one of us has for this podcast is not the same, we're, we're going to keep pulling each other in different directions. It's going to be hard for the listener. And at the end of the day, we're both going to be really unsatisfied with this podcast. So it can be anything in alignment and goals when you're going into a meeting, what you're wanting to achieve, or even a misalignment and goals if the IT department doesn't have the same overall strategic goals for the organization as, say, product development does, they're always going to be in conflict with one another. So a misalignment and goals is really common. Also, a misalignment in methods. This really comes up for me a lot in terms of how people like to communicate. You and I may not communicate well because I like the phone and you like email, or I like to give tons of information so that people can really think through everything. And really, you just want a few bullet points to get the main idea. So often there's a a misalignment in method. Another one is misalignment in values. This often comes up with different cultures. All of a sudden, we feel like we're in conflict with our workplace or with our bosses. And it may be because the culture of the organization that you're working with and the values of the company misalign with your own or with another individual. And so that can be really common. One more, because this is the most common one, is just a misalignment of information. And it's because you and I are coming to a decision based on a completely different set of facts. So maybe I watch one news station, you watch another news station, we see the world completely differently, so we are in conflict. Or I'm reading one set of reports and you're reading a different set of reports, and we come to a different conclusion because we are not basing our thought process, our decision-making, our strategic planning, whatever it may be, on the same set of data. So misalignment and information is huge and will always create conflict. Oh, that is... That is brilliant and fantastic. And that kind of touches on our second point, but I want to go back to how we're redefining conflict because looking at those meaning of word, those meanings of words and the feelings that we attach to them is so important because our emotions get first dibs. They are the rulers behind all of our behaviors. So I think that is so important that we redefine it. Looking how we redefine conflict how do we go about doing that? Or like, what are the things that we're looking for when, when we need to rethink how we're defining conflict? Right. Well, I think the first thing to think, it's kind of just notice when you feel like you're in conflict, but I think that oftentimes we sense it before anybody actually ever articulates it. Nobody says first, oh, we are in conflict. Like, I don't remember the last time I ever said that to anybody, but I did get, boy, I really just am not looking forward to this meeting. I know it's we're totally not going to agree. Or I can't stand being in a meeting with so-and-so because it's just so frustrating or something like that. So it's always really a feeling that happens to us first, that we feel there's already that turbulence. And when those moments happen, when you don't want to go to the meeting, when you don't want to have a conversation, when you don't want to sit down with somebody, when you feel like you keep butting heads with somebody, it's, it's a great time to stop and then sit back and say, okay, where are we misaligned? Is it that we're just very different personality types and they really are just go, they just want to keep going without all the facts and I need to have all the facts and, and that's the challenge or is it that maybe they're trying to achieve something that's different than me or what, what is it? So you kind of ask yourself, where might we be misaligned? Because it's 
kind of an easy thing to start to fix. So if the misalignment is around information, that's the easiest one to fix, right? Which is making sure that we are we are on the same page, literally on the same page with what we're looking at when we're trying to make a decision and why contract, contracts exist. It is literally putting people on the same page so that you can avoid conflict in the future. This is all the information that we need. This is really clearly stated and now we both agree and we're gonna move forward. If there's a misalignment in goals, for example, if two people are gonna go in to do a pitch and one person's goal is to get the person a yes and to get a contract signed by the end of the meeting and the other person's goal is really just to get them some more information so they can have a follow-up meeting, one is going to be really pressuring the person on the other side of the table. One is going to be pulling back. You're going to look like you're not on the same team in front of this prospective client. So before you get to the meeting, make, making sure, hey, what do we want to get out of this meeting? Let's make sure we're aligned on that goal. So it's just about taking five, 10 minutes. Sometimes that's all it takes to just stop and say, let's make sure we're aligned. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to connect. Our workshops are completely customized to reflect the specific and individual concerns faced by you and your team. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Click the link in the description to learn more. And now, let's get back to the episode. Oh, fantastic. And so leading into that, because this, I mean, this is fantastic for, for our second point, is what are the steps that you can take to kind of figure out where those misalignments are? So like what, what kind of things should we say or what kind of things should we do in order to get, pull out those issues where we are seeing things differently? How do we, how do we go about yeah. doing that? So on the one hand, it's the easiest thing in the world. And on the other hand, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. <laughs> so you actually have to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. You actually have to ask, look, we are obviously, we're just not getting along or we are, we are totally saying this differently or I need to understand your perspective on this decision or you have to ask the question about where you're feeling like this is where this is stuck. Because at the end of the day, you can't figure out what their goal is compared to yours if you don't ask. You can't figure out what information they're using to make a decision if you don't ask. You can't really identify what their real values are unless you ask. By the same token, they're not going to know your position if you don't have that conversation. So it is something that people really want to avoid these conversations. And ironically, it always makes conflict worse. Yeah. Uh, one of the real values that it's one of the core values for my company and my business, because I know it is just a human challenge and I'm always forcing myself to, to sort of own my own values, but also that I mention with my clients all the time is that we really have to avoid avoidance. When we avoid conversations, we end up creating infinitely more challenges than if we just suck it up and sit down with somebody or pick up the phone and call somebody and have a 15-minute conversation. So it's, uh, it's an easy solution and the one-step solution, but it, I understand that the idea of it is incredibly hard. But I will tell you, the fruit that's born from that conversation is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, what are some of the things that we might, where we might make a mistake when trying to figure out where we're misaligned? What happens if we make a mistake and how do we recover from that? Well, I think that 
I mean, you can always recover from mistakes if you're going to be honest and open first with yourself and then with the people around you. I, I think that the key is to not give up. I think what happens is that we we ask a question around one thing because we think maybe misinformation. So, hey, I just wanted to share these files with you because I, I think that or this article with you or this research with you, because I think these are really important components that we need to look at before we make this decision. And it doesn't mean the other person's going to be as grown up or as receptive to this realigning as we are. So the challenge then becomes we have to have a conversation, not about what's misaligned, but a conversation about alignment, a conversation about what is feeling like conflict. It doesn't serve either one of us to not get along. It doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve the company. If we cannot get to a decision together, it, it does not help the team if we're constantly fighting. In meetings, we've got to figure out a way to work through this. And you really just have to sit there and go through it. And so sometimes it, the conversation is about the misalignment, and sometimes you have to have an actual conversation about the fact that you are, are in conflict, that you are misaligned, and that alone has to get resolved. So you have to get the other person to buy into the idea that, it's going to serve you better. It's going to serve me better. And ultimately, it's going to serve the organization better if we can just figure this out. And, and the thing to think about is that this is not about getting along with people. The, I think that's a really high bar. and One can hope we get along with people, right? This is about just communicating effectively so we can both do a great job. It's not trying to be buddies at the end of it, though. So. Yeah, I love that because I think a lot of times, and especially for women, we're really concerned about preserving that relationship and trying to kind of appease the emotions and not wanting to kind of step on toes. And, and that seems to be a, a big challenge faced by a lot of members in our, in our female audience. So realizing that you don't need to be friends, you just need to, because it's a working relationship and you want to keep that working relationship. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. I do a lot of work in women's leadership and I have a lot of executive women who've been really successful and for whom this likability challenge is, is still an issue. I know for me, when I had a big team, it was a huge challenge for me. One that I was somewhat aware of, but not as aware at the time as I needed to be. And it, it, it of course, you want your team to like you. Of course, you want the people you work with to like you. And that's not always going to be possible, but at the end of the day, it's also not, has nothing to do with the productivity of a team or an organization. So I just like to think of it this way. It's not that you are going to go in and be unlikable. It's that your goal isn't about being likable. Your goal needs to be about communicating effectively or finding a way to get to common ground or getting buy-in from somebody else. If we lead with wanting to be liked, we will always undermine ourselves and we will rarely get what we want in the end. Yeah. And when you stop trying to be so likable, you're more effective, like you said. And then also people respect you more instead Absolutely. of you just rolling over just because you are, are worried about their opinions of you. Oh, absolutely. One of the challenges that happens with likability is that we end up giving a lot of the squeaky wheel gets a lot of the grease. And we cut people a lot of slack because we want them to like us. And sometimes that we allow bad behaviors because, again, we're avoiding the conversations with those people. We don't want to be in conflict with them. So now suddenly this one person who's behaving badly, who's not getting things done on time, who's not carrying their load, is getting sort of special treatment. The rest of the team 
is getting very frustrated and now it's very unfair. And now as a boss, you know, you look like you can't be on top of things you're not respected and that doesn't serve anybody. Exactly, exactly. And this brings us to a great segue to our third point is, so once we figured out where we're misaligned, how do we go about addressing that and moving forward? So as you put it, change how we show up. How do we do that? Yeah, well, I do a lot of work when I do conflict and conversation, sort of deep dives with clients and workshops and facilitation. One of the things I think it's important to do is to sort of figure out where, what is my style? I mean, how do I handle conflict? You know, what is my way of dealing with this when I feel like I'm in conflict? So there's a, a some great tools out there that can help you, but there's a one called Thomas Kilman, which I really recommend everyone look at. And they break it down into five different sort of styles of how we have of, of handling conflict. There are people who really like to compete. They will go in and they will butt heads, right? They're going to go head to head. They're going to hammer it out. They're going to duke it out until they figure out what the solution is. They, some are much more collaborative. Hey, let's sit down. Let's work this out. Some are much more compromising. There's still a little bit of communication, but they're really looking at a, how do we get to a win-win? There are those who are accommodating, right? They, they feel they're in conflict. So it's just, you know what? It's just not worth the fight. I'm just going to go along, get along. And then they're the ones who just avoid the conflict altogether and shut down. And, and those people, unfortunately, can be really valuable members of a team but they may end up just moving on to another organization because they just never addressed the challenge. So all of these different styles kind of have a different way of showing up. Obviously, somebody who has a competing style, that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of very direct, almost machine gun fire style of communication that they're going to walk into a room and they're going to be like a bull going after the red rag. And If you're that, then you might be willing to engage in that. But if the person on the other side of the table is an avoider, then that's probably not going to end up very well for somebody at the table. So one of the things that you realize is that how we manage conflict or how how conflict affects us affects how we show up. What, you know, people often refer to is executive presence. And our presence has a verbal component, which is the words that we use. There's a a vocal component, which is our tone of voice. There's a visual component, which is our body language. And then I like to add an extra component, which is sort of the energy we bring into a room or we bring into a conversation. And so thinking about the person that you really need to engage with and trying to meet them where they are. If I know that I have a really competing style and I need to talk to somebody who's going to be a go-along to get-along kind of person, I'm going to have to dial it back. I'm going to have to go in a little bit slower, a little more quiet. I'm going to have to sort of maybe pull them out and let them do the talking first. How we show up plays such a big part in how people engage with us. And so I do a lot of work around sort of energy and body language and how we are perceived by the people on the other side of the table, because that can be an immensely helpful tool when we're really trying to certainly manage conflict, but even in advance, it may be a great way to help us avoid it in the first place. Oh, that's brilliant. Now, how would you be able to tell or figure out what kind of style somebody is presenting with? Because if I'm competing, it might just feel like, oh, well, I've just won and they just agreed. So how do I, how do I know that it's, 
well, maybe they're not really agreeing. Maybe it's just because I kind of bulldoze the conversation and this could actually backfire on me. So how do we kind of sort out those that styles? That is a really, really great question. Again, Thomas Kilman is a great resource for this. And I'm also happy to send along to your listeners some, some resources I have because there's a few clues that you can think about for every type that you're going to know within the first five minutes what someone else is. Obviously, there's some who are really easy to know, right? The two extremes, the competitors and the avoiders. The competitors are going to come right up and in a moment and get up in your face and like there's no doubt where they are and the avoiders are going to try and avoid eye contact, not return your email, you know, go the other way when they see you in the hallway. I mean, those are pretty easy to know. So it's the middle ground that's very hard to identify. So there's some really wonderful resources. And, you know, if we had more time, I'd go into more depth, but start looking for a few clues. Give yourself sort of cheat sheets that are out there. So uh, that, that will help you think about where someone else may be going. One of the things I like to think about is what is each different conflict style? What, what would they say? So an accommodator might say, oh, it's my pleasure. Or sure, that's fine with me. You kind of listen for the types of things that they may be saying that are going to give us a clue as to where they are, right? They'd rather just keep the peace. So what are the kinds of phrases that they might say? A compromise compromiser is, this is the win-win person. So they're just going to be, okay, why don't we sit down and let's figure out a deal. Let's figure out a few things for you, figure out a few things for me. And so they're going to use phrases like that. They're going to want to sit down with you like that. So there's styles that people actually give us clues, just like we give off the clues with our presence, our verbal, vocal, visual, and energy that communicate something to other people. They're doing the same thing for us. So it's just being more aware of that and listening to that language sort of in the forefront, because then we can better address or show up with them in a way that's going to be more productive. Oh, fantastic. And we will put all of the links for those resources in the description for listeners to use. Also, shout out to Kwame and his negotiation prep, their free guides on the AmericanNegotiation.com website and looking at some of the questions ask about the other person. So being able to identify, okay, what do I know about that person? Uh, What kind of personality do they have? And so even before you go into the conversation, just using that information about what you know about them and that research that you do on them to help help you figure out, okay, how do I adjust my strategy in order to best meet their needs? So shout out to that. I think, we'll put all the links in the description below. And that's so important. And it's something Kwame does so well. And I really, really encourage everybody that it so much of what we talk about, and certainly a lot of this podcast covers as well, is those taking five, 10 minutes in advance of these things, even if you only have that much, can make all the difference. Doing a little sort of mental research on who am I going to be sitting across the table from, the likelihood that you're going to walk out of there with what you wanted, what you needed, is going to go up exponentially. Fantastic. And one more question, because we're, we're almost at time, but what are some blind spots that we might have? Right. So yeah, we do. I mean, here's the reality. Some of them are just because the way we tend to work and some of them are just historically the work environment has not always been friendly for women, especially when conflict is an issue. And so, 
even people who might not be natural avoiders might avoid a little bit more because they feel that, you know, rocking the boat, right? If a man rocks the boat, he's dynamic, he's bold, he's fighting for what he wants. And a woman is a boat rocker. She's a complainer. She's a whiner. It's ridiculous, but that's, that's what it is. So one of the easiest ways to start getting around that, well, there's two main things that I, I really like to support uh, the women that I work with around this. Number one is your opinion is valuable. Your point of view is important. You are there because you bring value to the organization. So if you are in conflict, if you think bad decisions are being made, if you think the values are not being you know, followed, whatever it is, that point of view and that perspective is absolutely invaluable to the organization. So it's important that you have the conversations and that you speak up. The, the, there's some really small ways that we can start doing it in a way that will have better outcomes. One of the challenges that we have as women, we often use a lot of emotion-based words. I think, I feel, things of that nature. And this is not about what you feel. The more you can keep it very sort of fact-driven, here's the data that I looked at. These are the points that our team brought to the fore that we needed to resolve or whatever it is. You try and make it not about you. Keep it about information. Keep it about, if it's, if it's a dynamic, keep it about a we, not about a me, because it's heard very differently on the other side of the table. And it's ridiculous that we have to do that. but you know, I, if I could change the work environment for all women and, and all people of color and minorities of all kinds, I would do that. But I, I haven't, I haven't found the magic area for that. So, so, but, you know, going along to get, a, get along, sometimes people think, you know, there's only one woman in the C-suite. And if I rock the boat, I'm not going to be the one who gets it. That's often sort of the, the thing we think about behind the scenes. Instead of thinking of it as going in and rocking the boat, it's your perspective is valuable and it's going to help get the company to better decision making, better team dynamics. You're going to, you're going to work. If you work more effectively with this person, the outcomes are going to be better. Always keeping it in terms of that, that it's going to be about improvement and not about boat rocking. I love that. That's some great, great tips there and, and examples. And finally, what is one thing that you would recommend, one tool that you want to give to all of our female listeners to help them be the most successful in their negotiations? Well, just one. Ooh, I wish I'd known that question in advance. I, I, like, to to surprise, I like to surprise my guests with it because it. I, I like yeah. to keep it separate because if, if they have an overall tip technique that they like that's separate from the conversation that we had, I, I want them to be able to share that nugget, their favorite thing with our listeners. So I like to surprise and put them on the spot. Right. <laughs> okay, so I already, I, I, I'll, I'm going to kind of cheat a little because I've already mentioned the Thomas Kelman assessment that you can go online and do. So I really will encourage everyone. But the other, the real thing that I want to leave you with is this, and this is true for conflict, it's true for negotiation, it's true for all of it. I always say to my clients, if we want things to be different, you have to do things differently. So when you're thinking about conflict, if you're in conflict with somebody, then I really encourage you to choose one thing that you're going to do differently with that individual or in that meeting, just one thing that may shift the dynamic for you. Are you going to show up differently? Are you going to articulate something differently? Are you going to use different words? Are you going to bring different information to the table? Choose one thing that you can do differently 
that might create a shift in my dynamic. Don't try and do a million things. Just focus on one. That is brilliant. I, I, I think we'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> for our audience, since we are at time, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find you? Absolutely. So uh, you can find me online at articulatepersuasion.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I try and post there regularly. And, and I'm excited to say I'm actually going to be launching this, at the beginning of December. I'm launching my own podcast called Leadership Bite, B-Y-T-E-S, that you can find any place you can find podcasts. And really, they're short snippets that people can listen to every week, something to think about to leave you with at the beginning of the week, or a quick tool or tip or strategy that may help you really build greater influence, greater, greater credibility, and hopefully your career. Oh, I love it. I cannot wait to listen to that podcast and be one of the first subscribers. But we will put Chris, that link. You, <laughs> we will put that link down in the description below and all of the other links to get in touch with Monique. Monique, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed this episode and recording with you, and I hope everybody else gets a lot out of it. Well, thank you so much. Actually, it's been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate your time and and especially the invitation because you know your audience is valued. So I appreciate that. We were excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks again for being a listener of the Ask with Confidence podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're enjoying the content, please subscribe and review. We want this podcast to reflect what you, the listener, are experiencing in your everyday life and your feedback will help us do just that. Again, thank you. And we hope you join us in the next episode.